intro. There we go. Okay. Hi, this is Hal Drabino uh, over here with Ralph Adams and the Pac-12 uh, Media Day. And uh, Ralph, just wanted to get uh, your impressions of today's event. I know you talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of players. Uh, what are some of the quotes that uh, stood out today for you? Wow. Well, um, there were there were definitely a lot of people who wanted to talk to the coaches about targeting. There were a lot of people who wanted to talk to the coaches about the transfer portal. Um, none of that stuff was super interesting to me. I, I, I really enjoyed hearing some of the players talk about whether they felt respected or, or disrespected or whatever. But probably my favorite thing was I asked uh, uh, both Bradley and I and Zach Moss about Utah Twitter. And they're... they're the whole beef they're trying to start with Eno Benjamin. And to my surprise, like, both of them were like, like, they laughed, but they were like, that has nothing to do with me. So I think even Utah players know that Utah Twitter, as far as the Pac-12 conference goes, that they're a little bit out of hand. They're our very own, like, Laker fans of of, of the Pac-12. They can get a little wild. Uh, so it was, it was pretty funny to talk to them about that. Uh, the, the quote that stands out to me the absolute most is, you know, Benjamin, he said it multiple times, was that he felt like the team had to step up to defend Herm Edwards last year because they knew Herm wasn't going to do it. And it's not a matter of weakness. You know, some people punch back, some people don't. I genuinely believe that Herm Edwards does not care what anybody has to say about him. Maybe more than anybody I've ever been around. This guy just, it rolls completely off him. He's going to do what he's going to do. But the players really felt a sense of duty to fight for him. And, and, and a large part of the success that they had last season, especially beating both L.A. schools, especially blowing out Utah, uh, it all really came down to them wanting to show people that that this was worth it, this Herm hire was worth it. I, thought, I just thought that was really, really interesting because maybe sometimes your personality mirrors the coach and you're able to just roll it off your back as well. Uh, but they stepped up to the plate and said, no, we're going to own this. He might not care about it, but we do. We want the people to feel like this hire was worthwhile. And I feel like to some extent they probably accomplished that. Uh, coaches and players will always say the polls don't matter, no matter if they're picked first or, or six in their division. I thought that as much as picking ASU 6 last year was a referendum on the Herm Edwards hire, I think picking them third, tied to, tied to, for third with UCLA to be uh, more exact, was probably a referendum on how much respect Herm Edwards has gained in one short year. Would you agree? Yes and I mean, yes and no. The team they're tied with and the two teams ahead of them they beat. Uh, so perhaps it should be uh, a little bit... Uh, different, and then I have a completely different view on it. You know, I know there were some people that picked Utah to be really high. I, I think they might struggle to win even two games. And so, mm-hmm. it, it, the the whole poll thing is weird because we're so regionally oriented that we're a lot of us are voting on things that we haven't even really watched or seen. I know you're thorough. I know I'm thorough, but I can't speak for everybody in this room, especially after listening to some of the questions that get asked of some of the coaches are listening to Herm Edwards get called Marvin and Merlin Robinson get called Marvin. <laughs> You know, it's, and so, you know, we're voting on stuff that we don't really know about. It, and then the results just sort of get spit out. And then we take those results and run to the players and be like, what do you think of this? And, um, and but I will say, I will say that last year was a very obvious and outright condemnation of Arizona State for doing something against the grain that the media rejected as being a serious hire. They sh- the only reason that they were voted sixth in the Pac-12 South last year was basically the media was saying this is a joke mm-hmm. uh, because they finished, I think, what, second the, the previous 
year, and they're returning yes. their starting quarterback and most of their defense. And so that was um, that was unsettling to watch as somebody who's close to the Arizona State program. For you as well, I'm sure, uh, that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that you would do that based on just – because even if Herm Edwards sucked as a coach, there's no way Arizona State's entire talent base was going to uh, fall off. They didn't have that type of contentious locker room. Like these players seem to genuinely like each other. I mean, you you have to have a confluence of issues like USC had in order to really have the the wheels fall off. You have to have the injury bug come in. You have to have coaches that aren't getting along. People get fired midseason. Players fighting. You know, the the, the you have to have. Uh, unscrupulous other influences around the program. Arizona State has really none of that. Mm-hmm. They just had Herm Edwards and then a lot of the same assistant coaches as the previous year. So I think maybe the media is waking up a little bit to what Arizona State, or, or, or they don't have that grudge. The grudge is gone would be the best way to describe it. And that's good to see, but at the same time they still beat those three other teams. So um, uh, we'll see if that ends up mattering. Um, but I do think that that Arizona State should be in at least in a conversation to maybe be in third place on their own. Uh, but then again, I'm somebody who's probably overvaluing USC compared to the rest of you know everybody else. But I, I will say that it's nice to see the grudge has been lifted. Are you leaving Pac-12 Media Day with a vibe that maybe one team is getting a little too much respect coming into the year, and maybe one team, whether whether it's the North or the South, is getting way too little respect uh, coming into 2019 um yeah i think i th- i think i look at cal and how good their defense is and i know that they're just a quarterback away yeah. and arizona state fans know exactly what that feeling <laughs> is like and so for cal to be 10th in in the conference when the truth is, i mean if, if if they get monster uh going and or or if Chase Garbers somehow recovers from the beating he took last year, and they're able to able to even be serviceable on offense, and I think that's a team that allowed like 19 points a game last year. They could be, they, they could really surprise some people. Um, I, and then I think that there are teams that probably earn the disrespect that they're getting. But you have to remember, Oregon State scored over 31 points five times last year. You know that that their their offense could really move the ball if they could find a way to stop anybody from running. Maybe they could be good, but um, I, I don't know. I don't feel like anybody's been truly overvalued. I've heard the whisper. I've heard people talk about Oregon. I think maybe are you on board with that? That Oregon's getting a little bit too. I, I I've never seen Cristobal. Yeah. I never uh, talent wise they're fantastic, but I've never seen Cristobal coach exactly. talent in a way that would make me believe that they could come out and just um, win the conference. Uh, but I, I don't feel like it's blatant. I think there's definitely some curiosity about how Utah will handle being the top dog and handle those expectations. But I mean, Whittingham's so boring. Do you really think that they're gonna that Whittingham's gonna get a big head? I don't think a, so. a head as big as his calf muscles. They're <laughs> not gonna happen. Uh, I mean, what, what do you what do you think? Do you think do you think anybody's like blatantly overvalued? I don't know why, but I want to say USC. I just feel that that is a dumpster fire. That'd be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I said this, uh, I think, earlier the week or maybe last week, that I don't think there's any but one coach truly in the hot seat in the Pac-12. I don't think any yeah. coach is in jeopardy for being fired. I mean, leaving for Green and Pastors, sure, but Clay Helton, that is the only coach on the hot seat, and that's it. Yeah. And that seat is boiling hot. So part of me thinks that it's such an, a, a situation that is very, very unsettled right now in, in Los Angeles, and I just feel like 
it's going to really, really explode. And uh, maybe Clay Hilton doesn't even finish the year. So for him to be second, I mean, again, you can talk about the question marks with you, with, I'm sorry, ASU and UCLA, uh, fine. And I guess, and I guess Arizona for that matter, too. I mean, I also think Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor is a fine uh, combination in the backfield, but they don't have much more than Who's that. Who's going to catch the ball or exactly, block yes. for them? Exactly, or, or, or their defense, which I think is an absolute mess still. Colin Schooler and the nobodies? Ex- I, I hate to be rude, but, like, he's very good. And yeah. I, and I cover these teams, and I'd have a hard time naming five or six other guys, yeah. much less guys that I think that will perform at a high level. I had a couple questions going in. Uh, and I'm curious to what your impression was. Sure. I thought Chip Kelly came out, and he handled probably the biggest question about their team really well right from the get-go when people asked, like, what's with the slowdown in UCLA recruiting? Yeah. And he basically said, like, this is we're, gonna, we're going the Stanford route. We're not recruiting kids that can't mm-hmm. get in. And I've witnessed this with a local recruit down in Arizona. They went through the whole process, medical, academic, and they did not extend an offer until all criteria were met so that he could turn around and accept that offer and they can move forward. It's like their academic requirements probably aren't as stringent as Stanford, um, but he said they're not going to go out and throw out 400 offers. He basically said we're not going to waste time recruiting kids that might not be able to get in. Uh, smart move? I, I, I feel like it maybe uh, delayed, not got rid of some of the concerns, but maybe pushed them back slightly. Uh, and we'll see how he does from here. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that doesn't say much about the Oregon academic requirements because right. Chip Kelly could recruit anybody and anybody. Yep. But uh, I think it's, it's been long been a belief that to get into UCLA, Cal, and even Washington might be even a little harder than ASU. Um, again, Stanford, obviously, a, a class of its own. Some people think that USC is almost as hard to get into Stanford. I, I never bought that, uh, private school and, and all. Uh, I think Chip Kelly really is just is just being smart about this, and sure, UCLA fans are not happy with uh, not having all the shiny names and the and the gaudy star rankings and the recruiting classes. But we we talked about this ad nauseum. Jim Moore was able to bring all those big stars and was able to bring all those big names, and he really has nothing to show for it but one Pac-12 South championship. So. But then again, it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, so is, was Jim Mora able to really work the academic system at UCLA so well and Chip Kelly is not even trying? That's a question that's kind of provoking my mind right now. Yeah, and I think yeah, his answers do create more questions. My other question coming into this was, who the hell is Mel Tucker and what, like, what, what? <laughs> and I, I, that guy, that guy is pretty easy time talking sure. to other people. He, he, he seemed to, uh, he's the only new coach. Uh, new head coach this year, even though quite a few came in last year, and he seemed to be really at ease. There weren't a lot of, whole lot of people that wanted to talk to him or his players. LaVisca Chenault sat alone for <laughs> several minutes. Um, do you do you think they could surprise? I mean, Montez is, what, a third-year starter? Yeah. That's a really big deal. They have maybe the best offensive player in the conference, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, you know, they got a couple of really good pieces on defense, and honestly, when they beat ASU last year, they looked like they could win the Pac-12 South, and then the wheels just fell off. A lot of those guys are coming back. Could could they see a quick resurgence, like like the Todd Graham style, or will you just get a shot of energy with the new coaching staff? Do you do you think they could compete? Are we sleeping on Colorado? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I really like Montez, and I think he might be underrated compared to other quarterbacks in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, I know uh, talking to the Colorado uh, publisher on Rivals, 
they have just a big question, who's going to replace Philip Lindsay in the backfield? And sure, you know, spring practice, you always see flashes of brilliance, et cetera, et cetera. But when, you know, when, when, uh, when, when the rubber meets the road, is that running game really going to provide enough balance so it doesn't have to be the Montez, uh, Chanel, Cho each and every week? Because, look, I mean, I, I think that's what, that's what really killed ASU more than Chenault. I mean, sure, Chenault went off against ASU like he did the four games before that, but, but, but Philip Lindsay has been a thorn in ASU's side. And every time ASU has lost to Colorado in recent years, Lindsay has usually just gone off. So uh, to me, that, that might be a bigger question. I mean, and sure, they got some pieces on defense, but uh, just, like, just, just like U of A, I think they have a lot of holes in a lot of places, yeah. and I just don't know uh, if that's going to be uh, big enough, enough for them, I should say, uh, to really just get out of the cellar. I mean, could they leap U of A and finish fifth and U of A finish sixth? Sure, I could see that, but with honesty, I don't see them player by player, talent, talent to talent, better than UCLA and ASU. So I think for them probably it would be a moral victory, not to finish last uh, in the South, but I just don't see them doing a whole, whole lot more than that. And again, I'm with you. I love Montez, I love Chenault, and I think that they could sneak up on a team or two How's it going to translate? But over the course of a season. Exactly. In the course of a season, you know, how, how's that going to translate into bettering yourself from 2018? Uh, big question mark with Colorado, and I don't think the answer is all that positive, at least not right now in July. So Mike Leach comes out and he says, hey, we won the most games of anybody in this conference the last three years, and you still don't respect us. And I'm, li <laughs> I'm listening to him, and I'm like, yeah, and yeah, I, d I don't. I'm one of the – like, I'm the person he's talking to in that situation. And I think what they, what they picked like fourth in the Pac-12 North. Um, but what's it going to take for us to buy in to Washington State? I mean, they are winning. They Maybe hit, they're the disrespected team. They hit the jackpot with a transfer quarterback last year, but to do it two years in a row. Uh, I mean, you, you can't knock down ASU a peg or two just because of their uncertainty in quarterback, but say, oh, Washington State's going to be totally fine when they have right. an FCS transfer. I mean, I mean and Gunnar Minshew, I mean, yeah, he was off the charts. But, and I'm not saying the new quarterback they have over there in Pullman is going to be even, you know, 70, 80 percent of what Mincho was. But even to be 50 percent, I think might be asking a lot from F FCS quarterback. So, uh, I mean, sure, you know, if, if Leach want, wants to wear the chip on his shoulder, which I think he's been born with anyway, uh, sure. I, I mean, I, I can see taking that approach. But uh, unless they can really prove that they have a competent quarterback that can make this air raid machine really hum week in and week out, um, I, I can see the disrespect. Uh, you know, even on defense, I mean, they, they lost some players. I, I think one, one aspect that maybe hasn't been talked about that much outside of Pullman is losing, uh, I believe it was Jalen Thompson to the NFL Supplemental did, Draft. Yeah. Got He's picked a up, Cardinal now or something. And got yeah. picked up by the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, and, and that's why the story really, you know, at least struck an accord with me. Uh, the Cardinals being a local team is like, wow. I mean, that, 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 that's going to be quite a loss for the Cougars because when I talked to the Cougar publisher in the spring, he talked about Jalen Thompson as one of the cornerstones of that defense. Now he's gone, and, and, they, have, and they had some big-time pieces which got drafted first or second or even both first and second round in this last draft. So, again, how, how do you recover from all that? So, for Washington State to be picked fourth, you know, with – a supposedly resurging Oregon. Washington is Washington. I never bet against Stanford. I learned that lesson a long time ago. Yeah, I think Washington State at number four isn't such a far-fetched theory, isn't really a disrespect uh, 
cry on, on Mike Leach or anything like that. They, they got some holes to fill, just like some teams around third, fourth place in the South have holes to fill. So, again, if Mike Leach wants to wear the chip on his shoulder, have a motivating uh, factor to look at here on, on July 24th, sure, I understand, I get that. But I, d I don't think it was really uh, uncalled for by the media to pick Washington State wherever they picked them. And I guess the last little tidbit, but I'll throw this out there and see how you feel about it. I talked to Eno Benjamin. I said, do you guys have a replacement for Nick Ralston? And he said, yeah. And I said, who is it? And he said, you'll see. <laughs> so I guess good news for fullback fans. Uh, but but it looks like uh, it looks like we you might have a lead blocker. Uh, maybe you're the insider, so maybe you know what's going on. But that that kind of struck me a little bit. I think that's something that can get the fans a little bit excited because Nick Ralston did a really good job for this team last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, uh, and I know why the name Case Hatch just keeps on reverberating as, no, as far as, wow. as far as, as, far as <laughs> the fullback. I mean, I'm not. I think it's going to be the guy, but I think it's somebody, somebody that's going to get a look. And maybe uh, it's something that uh, we'll never find out because I'll be the close part of practice. And we'll just have to find out on Saturday. And when I say Saturday, I don't mean Kent State. I don't mean Sacramento State. I'm talking about Michigan State. Maybe then we find out who that uh, lead back's going to be. But Herm Edwards talked so much about the, I don't want to say run first offense, but an offense that's definitely ball control. He, he wants a good fullback, and I think it's something that, Sure, Todd Graham and coaches before him talked a lot about, a lot about. But I think uh, Herm Edwards is really going to make sure that he has a competent fullback in place uh, because that's going to be really, really important, especially against the eight-man, nine-man fronts that ASU is going to experience every week. Uh, it's definitely uh, a position that becomes maybe more important than ever for for the ASU offense. So. Yeah, I think that uh, you also want to throw a different look uh, at teams and not really just try to do more of the same uh, because uh, you know Benjamin has a huge target on, on his back. I don't know if there's any skill player in the Pac-12 that has a bigger target on his back than Eno Benjamin. So ASU is going to have to figure uh, stuff out in order to be creative and having a fullback, let alone a guy like Case Hatch, if that's the guy that hasn't played at ASU until now, I think uh, can really uh, help this ASU running game a lot. I know I'm saying the obvious, but if that ASU running game even plays at just only 60-70% capabilities in terms of stats, yards, touchdowns as it did in 2018, uh, this offense I think could be in big trouble. So uh, anything you can do to help Eno you know, Benjamin uh, has to be done, has to be done effectively. And if it's a fullback, so be it.